How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And I like what he says next. And that is what we are. Isn't it great to be a child of God? I invite you this morning to turn to John's other gospel, John chapter 12. And we're going to begin uh, reading there in just a moment. But before we read this passage of Scripture, I want to tell you about a story that happened many, many years ago. And uh, an author by the name of Isaac Dennison tells this story. Uh, it's by the name of Babette's Feast. The setting goes back to a small village on the coast of Denmark many years ago. There were two sisters there that helped provide some encouragement to the little church in the village, which was founded by their father many years before this, and he had recently passed away. And so the group had dwindled to about 11, and here's what the story says, had dwindled to 11 sour-faced, self-righteous people filled with pride and suspicious of each other. And so one stormy, rainy night, Babette arrives at the door of the sisters. She's drenched. She's exhausted, and she's needing a place just to come in out of the weather. And so she's a middle-aged refugee from France bearing a letter of recommendation from an old friend of the sisters. And the letter simply said this, Babette can cook. That was the letter of recommendation. And you're going to know why that's important as we go on. And so Babette ends up staying 14 years with the sisters, cleaning and cooking for her own room and board. And then comes the exciting news that a lottery ticket, which a friend in France has renewed for her every year, has won 10,000 francs. And so the two sisters celebrate this good fortune, but they begin to grieve what they believe will be the leaving of their friend Babette. And so what Babette does next is this exuberant expression of love and gratitude, and she proceeds to give an extravagant gift to the sisters and to the small group of people there in the church at the village. And so she's asking permission from the sisters if she could prepare a meal in honor of their 100th anniversary of their father's uh, birth, and now that he's passed away, they want to celebrate uh, what he meant to the people there in the village. And so she wants to pay with this with her own money. And man, that just, I mean, that set the sisters back. But they reluctantly said, okay, we'll let you do that. And so the 11 members of the church and a few other guests, they come for this feast. And as the cold wind howls outside, Babette treats them all to this incredible, really going to make you hungry now, gourmet dinner of turtle soup, caviar, quail, pastries. And I mean, it just went on and on and on. It was a 10-course meal like they had never had before in their life. And so after the feast, Babette reveals that she was once a chef at this world-renowned cafe in Paris. And the sisters are just aghast 
to discover that she has spent her entire 10,000 francs on this feast. You see, at first glance, it would seem that this extravagant gift is just wasted on an unappreciative group of people. But that's not the way that it turns out. The gourmet dinner had this transforming effect on the people. I mean, the amazing grace of turtle soup and caviar created a space in which old feuds are settled, that friendship and love are rekindled, and that fellowship that was broken is now being experienced once again like never before in this little village. And because of her extravagant gift, it was one from her heart. It was one of genuine love and care and concern for the people. Now, I want you to fast forward to Jesus' day. And as we arrive here in John chapter 12, Jesus experienced Mary's gift the same way. In fact, how Jesus received her gift ensured that she would forever be an example to us today of what genuine worship is all about. You see, church, worship is all about the Father. Worship is all about us as His children giving all back to the one who gave all to us. And so here on the heels of John 12, when you look in John chapter 11, remember there's a man named Lazarus who's very sick. He's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And this Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lays sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sisters, they sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And what they're really crying out is, we need you to come help us. And we need you to come quick. We need you to come immediately. And so here in John chapter 12, Mary shows us one of the most important things that we need to understand if we want to draw near to the heart of Jesus. And church, when you stop and think about your life and the life that we are called to live, what we want more than anything is to draw closer to the heart of Jesus, right? I mean, we want to know, we want our heart to beat with His, okay? We want to thirst and hunger after the things that he is hungering and thirsting after. That's what our heart should desire. And so we've got to learn to love him extravagantly with our whole heart. And I want you to look at this example this morning of what Mary teaches. Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. And then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. 
She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Notice Jesus' words, leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, this large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And so the chief priest made plans to kill Lazarus as well for the account of him. Many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. Let's notice this morning, as we look at Mary's extravagant love, and you've got to realize she went way beyond the call of duty in her day, okay? And I want us to see some things that true worship looks like as we learn to have that and practice that in our own lives. And the first thing we've got to understand is this, extravagant love doesn't count the cost. Look in verse 3, then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. What a wonderful picture of what Mary did for Jesus. And here's the thing. Back in that day, it's one thing for her to have her hair up, which was custom. It's another thing for her to let her hair down in the presence of men. I mean, you just didn't do that. And so Mary is realizing, you know what? Because I love my Jesus so much, I'm going to do everything that I can from my heart. I'm going to pour my heart out to the one who poured his heart out for me. Because on, in, G, in, in her mind, man, Jesus raised my brother from the dead. Okay? And so... Man, Mary and Jesus are just like this, okay? But more than that, she realizes from her heart, look at the act of love that Jesus is about to perform for me. I mean, can you imagine this scene? He's on his way to the cross. He's about to predict his death. And here he is, still ministering to people. You know there has to be a lot going through his mind. But as he's on his way to the cross, you know know who he has in mind more than anybody? Watch this. He has you. He has me. It's his Father's will. And he's going through with that. But part of his father's will is also to realize 
not what I want. It's my desire to please the one who gave me life. Boy, isn't it reassuring today to realize Jesus always is thinking about me. Emmanuel, God with us. God with me. I don't know where you may be this morning, but I'm tell you this, you need a little more of Jesus, don't you? You need a little more of his comfort. You need a little more of his grace and his love and his mercy that he pours out to you. And so in less than a week, Jesus is going to pour himself out for her and for us, giving his life on a cross to pay for our sins. And here's the deal. Mary pours out a year's worth of wages. Now, in the ancient world, perfume was one of the commodities that people used to store their wealth. They didn't have banks. Okay? They didn't have, you couldn't play the stock market. They didn't have that. Okay? So she's saving all of this up, and in likelihood, this box of perfume represented Mary's life savings. Can you imagine? We, that goes way beyond our comprehension, doesn't it? I mean, everything that Mary has, look at the jar here, is more than likely right there in that jar. And she's willing to take it and say, here, I'm going to give it back. I'm going to pour it back out to the one who loves me so much. And so here's my question for us to consider this morning. In light of what he's done for us, how extravagantly have you demonstrated your love for him? Take it a step farther. Have you given to him from your substance or have you given from your excess? He loved us. So much that he gave it all. How much more in response do we pour out to him? And you know, as Mary goes through this, she, she challenges us not only to give our all, but beyond that, she's challenging us when you give and when you worship, do so out of a spirit of demonstrating joy, of pouring out your all to Him. And so notice this, when we express our love to Him so unselfishly, it's going to make an impression on other people. Look at the rest of verse 3. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. You know, our prayer is that what we do right here in this room, it's not about us. It's about the love that we have for the one who gave it all. And what we want to do is just pour back into him the love that he once poured out for us. And so when our worship of the Lord is extravagant, those around, they're going to know. And they're going to know that something is different with the people in this place. God's will is this that you spread the real aroma of Jesus by living out an unselfish life 
sold out to him. Here's how the Apostle Paul says it in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. But thanks be to God, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us. Now look at this. He's going to use you. He's going to use me to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him. And where are we going with that? Everywhere. And he goes on to say, For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. So as we go out and spread the aroma, we have opportunity to do that with those who know Christ and with those who do not know Christ. And here is the prayer. As we spread just a little more aroma of Him, we pray that those who do not know Him yet can come to a relationship in their heart, in their mind, in their soul, and take up the cross and worship Him just like we do. And so to the ones, we are an aroma that brings death. To the other, an aroma that brings life. And look at this question. Who is equal to such a task. It's a pretty humbling task to take that on, isn't it? It's a pretty humbling task to accept, yes, I want to be the aroma that Christ has called me to be. And so if you look down in verse 4, we see that extravagant love doesn't care about criticism Look in verse 4. One of the disciples, Judas, who was later to betray him, objected, Why was it this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. But notice what he says. He didn't say it because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Folks, you can mark this down. About the time that you set out in your life to do something in the name of Jesus, somebody will object. Somebody will say something. Here it's Judas. I challenge this. Don't be the one to stop the will of God from being spread. Don't be the one to say, we can't do this. Don't be the one to say, what are we going to do this for? Or, a lot of times, here's what we say in our minds. I wonder what this will lead to. What does it lead to right here? What does it lead to, church? Mary breaks open the jar and the, the fragrance comes out. What does that lead to? The aroma of Christ being spread. Amen? But more than that, it's Mary doing something from her heart and worshiping in such a way that maybe then, maybe the folks hadn't seen it done that way before. I don't know. But whatever the case, Mary is choosing from her heart to do something that had never been done before, has her hair down in front of mankind, in front of men, That's going against all odds right there, okay? More than that, she is willing to give everything that she has 
and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Extravagant love is pleasing to the Lord. Look at verse 7. Leave her alone. Jesus replied, it was intended that she should save the perfume for the day of my burial. And I love verse 8. You will always have the poor among you, but you're not always going to have me. And you know, the one thing that people here are struggling with, they cannot grasp in their mind that Jesus is going to the cross and that he's not going to be with them in person much longer. But you remember, what does he leave them with? Same thing that he leaves us with. His spirit. So I wonder today, what's your spirit like? What's your spirit like? In the end, it's Judas who gets a rebuke for his practical observation. And yet Mary is praised for going out of her way to show love in an extravagant kind of way. You know, one of the things that really struck me in this story, it makes me aware sometimes of just how much I'm like Judas. And I'm going to go ahead and say it for all of us. We are all like Judas at some point in our life, aren't we? So many good things going on around us. So many ways that God is at work in this world. And yet, sometimes we are so tempted to say, really? We're going to do it like this? Or it's going to be carried out this way? But then when we back up and look at the example here, I think we've got to ask ourselves this question. When is the last time that I did something extravagant just because of my devotion to Jesus. When is the last time that I did something not because I felt that I had to do it or that it was the right thing to do or that I knew I would feel guilty if I didn't, but when's the last time that we just said, you know what, I'm going to do this because I love my Jesus that much. I'd a lot rather have a heart that just says, I'm going to serve this way than to say, I'm going to do it just because. Folks, everything we do, we should do because we're children of God and look at the love that he's lavished on us and in return, what do we do? We love God and we love on other people a little more day by day by day. So when's the last time that you just threw caution in the wind and just went ahead and fully committed to give yourself of the Lord? And I'm going to say something that the Nike slogan has said for years. Just do it. When are we going to just take up the cross and decide in our life we're going to serve Jesus this way and we're just going to do it? That's what Mary did. She went against all odds. And I love her example for that. Extravagant love. Just like that that Mary showed. 
That's the kind of love that we're called to. That's the kind of love that we're to embrace every day. And when you think about it, it's the kind of love that Jesus himself showed when he, on the day after Mary anointed his feet and dried them with her hair, he rides into Jerusalem and he gave up. Rides in. Some have a parade over it. He's pre- he predicted his death and he went all the way to the cross. How deep, how deep the Father's love is for us. So, Father, as we look at this passage this morning, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your Son and our Savior, Jesus. Father, I'm grateful for the example that we have seen this morning of worship. And Father, may we have a heart like Mary to go against all odds, to do whatever it takes to get to you. And may we spend our life bowing down in praise and worship to you. Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. And thank you for the privilege that we have to be called your children. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.